ever since I went and took that plunge. As soon as you do it once and you, you take that risk, you get over the fear of what people might think. I, I just think life is way better because you know you're a risk taker. People want to think they're risk takers, but they mightn't do it. You just take that risk. As soon as you take the plunge, you jump in, into the deep end, sink or swim. And more often than not, you're going to swim. If you, if you work hard enough when you're in there, you know, you'll survive. And that's it. And your life is just, in my opinion, it's just so much better. But it's all about, you really have to have the balls to just go and do it. And then put the work in. Hey, what's happening, folks? I hope everybody's having a wonderful day. And welcome to episode seven of the Prime Life podcast. I have a very special guest on today's show, and I am really excited to get started. But before we do... I want to give a quick shout out, as usual, to all the amazing sponsors of today's episode. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by CD Golf. So, CD Golf is an advanced golf coaching academy located in the Midlands of Ireland and headed by PGA professional Corey Doherty, who is also the head pro at Tullamore Golf Club. CD Golf specializes in coaching programs that affect real long-term swing improvements rather than the traditional quick fix that doesn't last. Corey is also completing a master's in UCD in sports psychology and can help you and your team with the mental side of competing. As we all know, it's just as important in the golfing game. So as an offer to podcast listeners, CD Golf is offering a 30% discount on all golf coaching programs by referring to the Prime Life podcast. So to get in touch with Corey, please send him an email at cdgolf at gmail.com or you can reach out to him on Instagram at cdgolfcoach. This episode is sponsored by a product that I absolutely love. It is called Spoonful Botanical. So I've been using this product for the last six months, and I just want to give you a little background on the product itself. This is an all-natural homemade food product that helps with inflammation and AIDS recovery. It's basically a blend of high-quality herbs, spices, and fermented fruits, which have renowned properties to combat inflammation and can be taken on a daily basis. The product is actually inspired by ancient Indian wisdom, and there is currently no other food products like it on the market. I was actually introduced to the product from a friend of mine, because I used to get a lot of pain in my knees when running, and it was mostly when I was doing long-distance running. And I found I wasn't able to run for like three or four days later. I couldn't run the next day, and my knees were all inflamed, and my joints were inflamed. And since taking the product over the last six months, I've actually noticed a huge improvement. I mix it in with some Greek yogurt, I throw it into my tea at night, or I just take a spoonful whenever, whenever I'm in a rush, and it's absolutely delicious. So for me, it's a great preventative way to fight any inflammation that you might have, and it's a great way not to take any anti-inflammatory drugs. So I really do recommend this product to any athletes or anyone who wants an all-natural way to improve their well-being in general. Please check out their product online at spoonfulbotanical.com, where you can get a full list of their stockists, or you can order directly online on their website. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Nuts and Grains. So Nuts and Grains is a bit of a staple in Mullingar, as they've been around for over 35 years. And we're actually one of the first health food stores in the country. Now, what I personally love about this store is that it's just basically a one-stop shop for all your health and wellness needs. They stock the latest quality products from whole foods and naturopathic remedies, 
to sports and performance supplements and everything in between. Now, unlike a lot of health stores across the country, they actually have their very own nutritionist, naturopath, and even have their own chef. So you will 100% be in good hands when you walk into their store. Their staff is super friendly and knowledgeable and can help answer any questions you may have around any of your health and wellness goals. They ship their products worldwide through their website, nutsandgrains.ie. And if you use the promo code PRIMELIFE10, you'll get 10% off your next purchase in-store or online. Go to nutsandgrains.ie to check out their full range or call into their store in Mullingar where you will be well taken care of and looked after by all their staff. And please do not forget to use Prime Life 10 in store or online to avail of 10% off your next purchase. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by a very talented and unique artist from my hometown of Mullingar, David McNamee, also known as Cowboys Davy Online. So David first started off as a street artist in the laneways of Melbourne, Australia, back in 2013. And since then, he has built his brand and business to a point where he is working with some of the largest music festivals in the country, such as Electric Picnic. David has also done live workshops with Facebook at their staff parties. He has painted murals for the right venue, which is the biggest nightclub in the country here in Ireland. And he is the resident artist at Mount Druid, which is probably one of the coolest wedding venues in the country. So if you're looking to uplift your event space, if you have a bar, restaurant, whatever it might be, please reach out to David at CowboysDavy on Instagram. Send him a message and I can guarantee you he will lift up your whole event space. Hey guys, so David was very kind to give me a couple of prints and we decided why not give these prints away to some of you guys who are listening to this podcast. So to be in with a chance to win, all you have to do is share this episode on your social media platform. So if it's on Instagram or Facebook, whatever it is, just share it on your story and you'll be in with a chance to win some of these prints. Now these prints I will be sharing on my stories over the next couple of days or if you just check out David's page at Cowboys Davy, that's D-A-V-I-E, and um, you'll be able to see some of the prints that he has. These prints are absolutely brilliant and they also are framed. So all you have to do is share this episode and you'll be in a chance to win some of these prints. Also guys, if you could please rate, review or subscribe to the Prime Life podcast, it really helps with the visibility of the show. All right, folks, let's get started on the podcast. So my guest today is an impressionist comedian and good friend, Connor Moore. A few years ago, some might have thought he was crazy to leave a good paying job to go create videos on Snapchat in the hope of making it as a successful impressionist. Fast forward on three years, and he is now starring in TV adverts with Tiger Woods and rubbing shoulders with the likes of Justin Timberlake, Frank Lampard, Jack Nicholas, and some of the most elite athletes and TV personalities in the sporting world. Connor has been on a roller coaster of a journey so far, and on this podcast, we chat about how he went from creating videos on his phone to having his very own show with the MBC Golf Channel. So, without further ado, I hope you enjoy my conversation with the great Connor Moore.
All right, Conor Moore, welcome to the podcast, my friend. It's great to finally get on. So, Con, we have known each other for, I would say, about over 15 years now. Is and it 15? Yeah, about 15 years, yeah. Feels longer, man. It does. <laughs> <laughs> and We've deemed the tank. Yeah, deemed the tank yeah. there and there. So. so, Connor, look, you've always been an amazing storyteller and a great conversationalist. So I'm very excited to have you on the podcast and to share this conversation with the listeners. Cheers, Alex. Looking forward to it. Good, 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 good. Give me your first tough question. <laughs> <laughs> so, Con, I'd love to talk about your most recent video. What, the Oscars? Which is the Oscars, yeah, yeah. Which I thought was brilliant. Absolutely loved. I mean, if I closed my eyes, I would honestly think I was listening to Ricky Gervais at the very end, which was fantastic. Yeah, no, and I wouldn't mind that. Ricky wasn't the one I actually thought I was going to get a big reaction off either. Um I, I was actually mad focusing on Will Smith for ages, and I didn't really pull it off in the end, so I was a little bit pissed off with it when I put it out there. It wasn't... And then Ricky at the end was, yeah, hello, right, okay, amazing, piss off. That was, it was the shortest. <laughs> yeah, and I should have done the longest with him, like... But uh, I had Kevin Hart. I just wanted to do something more mainstream because I'm so sports-orientated, and sometimes I feel like... Listen, the more strings you have to your bow, the better. But I, I, a minor all sports like so. Every time like a gig comes in for me and it's sports related, I'm like, yeah. But if I get a mainstream gig that comes in for me, I'm a little bit like, oh, I don't want to do that because you could walk into a room and if they're not into sports, well then I'm, you know, I'm kind of goosed. And I suppose I did focus it for America, like a lot. Obviously, working in America now, um, it's just good to have those extra few guys. But it took me a good couple of weeks. I was happy with it, like, um, from a quality standpoint. Um, it got good views, like got about a quarter of a million or something like that, which obviously is going on. I sound like an arsehole saying that, like, but um, you're always looking for the cool meal, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Give me a million, you Give know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but that's something I wanted to talk about because you're very much so engrossed in the sports world around GEA and golf and Premier League. And when it comes to, I suppose, celebrities or Oscars and uh, actors, how do you get? into character for these like i mean do you lock yourself into a room for a couple of hours do you mean how do i get into character the day i record or how i nail down the impression the character both so like the nail nailing down of the impression and also just the whole process of a picking yeah, it, it, it's all about literally it, it it's not that interesting it's if you came and lived with me for a week I think I'd piss you off. I'm just locked away in the room, listening to vi- people, the same video over and over again, trying to get words that like, a lo- and you start off with an impression, you're looking for a key words like, the minute I'm pra- practicing Solskjaer, right? The ball and defeat, uh, fantastic, that would be great. Yeah. Like, and it's at the minute it's shy, but I just, I'm going on those kind of words. Give me like about two or three weeks and I might have more words, like I probably will. Uh, and, then you can start making an impression of them. Now, and it does take weeks. Like, if you want, if you want to be good, like I, sometimes I see people online that put up impressions, and I'm like, unless it's Im- unbelievably funny, it better be unbelievably good. Mm. It's either one or the other. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, you obviously didn't work on it that hard if it's not like nearly like you're never a ten because like I'm not that person. You know, there's so many different things that come into it, like where your teeth are positioned, your jaw, your throat, how deep your voice is naturally, and things like that. But yeah, I would just spend weeks and weeks in the room listening to voices all day long. But you pick up on their mannerisms as well, isn't it? Well, you it? see, from watching the videos so much, I can't help. And not only that, like, even when, like, let's just say I was doing Tiger Woods, for instance. 
the thing that got uh, I when I I couldn't do him for ages, but it was his jaw. I was looking at a video and he was kind of from the side, and his kind of like there was a bit of an overbite or something. I kind of seen. And I felt like his bottom teeth didn't move. And it was like, uh, well, the conditions were really, really tough out there. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah. the listeners can't see that, but like, see that <laughs> my bottom jaw doesn't move. Yeah, yeah, It was yeah. when I started not moving my bottom jaw. Oh, well, and it's really good out there. Yeah, and I'm really, you know, I played well. And this kind of, so the mannerisms and the facial structure, all that thing, all those come into play um, massively when you're doing an impression. Like, it's not just the voice, do you know? And not only that, but when you're doing it, it to feel more like them, you nearly need to put their, you think you're looking out through their eyes. Like sometimes when I'm listening, I have the AirPods in, like I'll think it's like, I'll pretend it's me talking and you nearly become them. Mm, Do you know, right it's okay. like if someone started slagging me off here now, I, I honestly don't know if I would have a quick response back to them. But if I was sitting here with Sherlock Nan's jacket and hat on, and you start taking the piss <laughs> out of me, i probably rip you to shreds. Yeah. Which is amazing psychologically to think mm. how I'm more quick-witted as him than I am as myself, but I'm mm. always me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Or if I'm brolly. Or if you're a character, you can come back really quick, a witty kind of. Yeah, but well, not but not yeah. all the characters. You know what I mean? Right, if yeah. I'm Tiger Woods, I wouldn't be able to come back with something witty. <laughs> yeah, Tiger yeah. just really says the same stuff all the time. I wouldn't. It wouldn't come into my head. But yeah. because Loch Nan is like a complete snare, or someone like him, or Poulter. Yeah. Like, I love when people, like, if I'm at a golf event and people pull out the phone, like, you know, and it's, oh, dude, this is an impression. Just, t- my one impression I just do is Poulter. Because I know that's going to get a bit of a laugh. I don't know what I'm going to say, but it's probably going to be funny. Yeah, but yeah, if you get yeah. me to be Tiger, or or McElroy, or one of them, it mightn't be as funny, like, because I'm not thinking, because when you're doing the character, you kind of become them. Yeah. Or something, I don't know. It's, it's uh, I don't know how to explain that. But when you're talking about like not being funny and getting the impression right, that's a, that's something I've noticed about your videos is getting that balance right, isn't it? And I think you've kind of carved your own path in terms of you're very good, you're a master impressionist, right? Brilliant at it, very talented, but you're also a very good comedian and writer. And is that something that you think that's kind of propelled you into this, to the area that you're in right now? Yeah, and I don't even think I've, like... A lot of time I would wing, not wing it, but like last minute I'll write the content. I'll get the impression down just before it needs to go out and I'll write the content that day. And I would never have thought of myself as much of a writer. The last couple of weeks, just or last couple of months, I've started to kind of feel that like, I suppose I'm kind of seeing it now. Obviously I've written stuff for the last three years and it's getting big views. And listen, if you're doing an impression, yeah, it's funny the first time. You see it the second time, you see it the third time. It's not funny anymore. Like unless you funny, you have them doing funny stuff, saying funny things. Like the writing is everything. And that's why I suppose Mario Rosenstock has been around for 20 years, right? Like, he's, he's writing for 20 years. Like, he's been coming out with good content. Like, if Mario was still going around doing Radio Ray going, ha, 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 at the end of the day, you know, saying just the same stuff, he, God knows what would be happening to him, you know, or he'd be gone, do you know? But you get Mario and he's doing the Man United sketch he did or Soccer Saturday and he's Roy in these weird places and situations, different characters. That, I think, is... Uh, not only is it the key to it, like, because, yeah, you can make a good career just doing the voice and stuff like that if you have enough of them, but the whole enjoyment of it, like, creating the things is, like, what's enjoyable, like, do you know, for me, it's, like, even this, like, I sat down recently and I was doing a load of golf yokes, I've, I think, 15, 16 ideas that I all think are hits already, and, like, the season for me hasn't started yet, do you know, in terms of, like, it'd be next month, I suppose, like, the Players' Championship, but I think 
the only way to have longevity is people always go to me, oh, Mac, yeah, well, the sun shines. I'm like, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> you prick. <yeah. laughs> Do you know, I, I get this yeah, all the time. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, you know, you know, well, you know, while it lasts. I'm like, well, I'm hoping it lasts for about a good 50 years anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, yeah. I, but I, I get what people are saying in terms of you need to, and I like, obviously, you're looking at other stuff. And, um, but you're Was always that something trying to you evolve. kind of maybe worried about at the start? Because I, th- I don't think it's something you should be worried about now, obviously. No, but, no but, uh, to be honest with you, it, 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 that's... I wouldn't say it was in any way a motivation for me or anything. I just, I'll be honest, I, I grew up in a lad culture. I grew up in a dressing room. When I write a piece of comedy, I it, I think, would the boys find this funny? Like, I spent how many years in college with Joe Kenny, Mark Hollentine, these boys, just ringing people up, pranking them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Spate Adams, mate. You know what I mean? We had this English phone number ringing everyone. Yeah, I remember yeah, ringing yeah. Breffney from The Apprentice, and we were, had him on the phone for uh, like two days, two separate phone calls. We had a deal going down. It was four million uh, pounds from Paddy Power and all this kind of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your mouth's going mad. And they were like, "Yeah, Breffney, we're gonna get you the kit off, mate, and all this." I'd say, well, obviously, he doesn't know. I don't know whatever happened to him, but he was a great character. But like that, the guys, that was college. Do you know what I mean? Going, yeah, yeah. We used to wake up, go down and wake up at six in the evening, go down and buy a, a nag and a bottle of wine, a couple of cans, and we go to coppers. Next day, wake up, then die and just ring people <laughs> we'd be ringing old school teachers <laughs> that's all we did like in college like and see so for me like the writing and all that i think stems from that i'm like i wouldn't want to go into the boys and like i remember i did my first joe sketch and i showed cash one of my mates who like i think is a genius kind of writer and uh he gives me some great lines every now and again and i remember he wasn't laughing at it and I remember I only watched it the other night and I was like, yeah, I can see why he didn't laugh at it. It was just me doing impressions. My first Joe uh, UK sketch with Carragher and Neville and the boys. And I was just doing the impressions. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? So, yeah, Gary, what you think of Liverpool? I thought we were very bad, you know, or very good, whatever. He's like, yeah, you know. And I, and I was like, I was looking at it and I was like, Jesus, like, there was really no content there. But I think the thing about when I started in Joe was I was trying to get all these impressions right because I was afraid of the backlash if they weren't perfect. So I wasn't even thinking about writing. I was thinking more about like the impressions and getting them nailed on. Getting them perfectly, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. mad, yeah. Talking about Joe, <clears throat> you've been on a bit of a roller coaster journey so far. You've gone from doing videos on your own to working with Joe, um, signing a contract in NBC. I'd love you to rewind back a few years and maybe explain to the listeners how this how this all began for you. Yeah, it was all just it was all just a mistake. <laughs> it was all a big accident. <laughs> I was doing impressions when I was a kid, I think, up until I was about 11 or 12, and then I stopped, man, for about 15 years, didn't do one, apart from doing my uncle Ned, who you know, down in uh, mm-hmm. Shamrocks, and Ned, like, he's got his nose broken a few times, like, in fact, I'm sure he's got his nose broken a few times, but can I, you know, all right, Alex, what story going to be on the podcast? <laughs> Jesus, you should get him on the podcast. <laughs> um... We are the Celtic of Mullingar. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, was only, I was only doing him, really. So I was doing my uncle then for a couple of years, outside doing him and Shamrock's taking just to piss out him and that. And then Shamrock's, in fairness, that's how it all led into this. The boys were playing a match against the Downs and a row broke out. And uh, I scaled the fence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my cousin was getting a doing on the side of the pitch. So like... Hopped over or whatever, and then it was all handbags like it was nothing. Um, but uh, <laughs> the pictures came out in the paper and it looked terrific. And it looked like you remember those pictures, mm, the yeah, really just yeah, yeah. And it looked like I was trying to kill somebody. But all the boys were then texting me, they're like, Oh, you were in big trouble. And then the chairman of the club and all this, and I was up at work in Tree at the time, 
selling phones and never forget ringing the chairman I was like oh what happened at that meeting or whatever and then he was like no no you're off or whatever like cause the, the video kind of showed nothing really much happened it looked way worse <clears throat> and then whatever happened I was just sitting there one day and I was like that, that was that wasn't isn't this hilarious after all like you yeah, can't get in trouble yeah, for it yeah, yeah. Uh, and I did a video because Snapchat had that filter and I did a video into the boys Joseph Mourinho and he was like I think the Moors are disgraceful. I think so. And then I was like doing dumb for you now. Eddie Moore, you can forget about him as far as the man, baby. <laughs> and uh, I was just mad. I was doing Bill Hurley, a few others, Joe Brawley, you know. And then I sent it in and all the boys were like, geez, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. And as soon as they said that, it's amazing what a little pat in the back does for you. Mm. I was like, just maybe I could do this. And the boys were like, Dennis Croom was like, you got to put it online. And I was like, but sure, it's a local row in Mullingar. Who's going to give a shit about it in Mullingar? To be fair, I even knew that back then. Like, you know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It needs to be rel- yeah, like, yeah, relatable yeah. to a bigger audience. So I, I remember being awake all night where uh, most of your ideas come to you in bed at night, which is a real pain in the arse because you can't sleep then. Yeah. But uh, I remember I was like, the next day, I could always do Colin Parkinson, Woolly. And that was, was like, from that was from your J one days, wasn't it? New no, York. that was from when I was a kid. He was over on, he was playing football for my uncle in America. Yeah, yeah and I yeah. was only about twelve, and I was doing him. How's it going there, Tom? Like, and he had that <laughs> kind of accent or whatever. And I was doing him, and then I did this off the ball thing. The next, the very next day, I did about ten impressions. And like, if you look back at it now, compared to what I do now, it's horrific. It's horrendous work. Like, but again. Back then, what was the kind of standard? Like, it was all just cartoony yeah, yeah. stuff, you know? And <clears throat> put it out, and it got like 60,000 hits. Was and this I, with the face swap now again? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, like, to be honest with you, at the start, I was constantly doing face swap. Like, and I, I was nearly that, afraid yeah, yeah. to put my own face on it. <laughs> and I, <laughs> well, Snapchat stopped. Well, that was just it. out new anyway, so it did. It, it yeah, was, yeah, and then it Snapchat was... took it off one day. She so used to take it off and put it on. And when it took it off first, I was writing to them saying, I, I'm running the business off the back of this here, lads. Put it fuck back on. <laughs> yeah. No messing. I was actually I was going to knock the door down, <laughs> but um, I did it. Yeah, and then the video just went. And then Joe E called me up. Oh, come up, let's see. You're a very good impressionist. And then walked into the meeting. They were like, so let's see your stuff. I was like, what do you mean? Yeah, like your portfolio stuff. Like, if you, what else can you do? I was like, well, see that video you have there in front of you. I was like, that's my portfolio stuff. <laughs> And they were like, so you don't do this, do you? I said, oh, no, I do, yeah. Since when? About three days ago. <laughs> so anyway, I didn't get the job. And I remember being really disappointed because they gave me about a week to come back with impressions. And I was so good when I didn't get it. And I was like, that disappointment, I was like, do you know what? Feck it, like, life's too short, man. I, I rang up three and I was like, uh, I think I bullshitted them. I think I told them, oh, listen, I'm not getting that job. I'm not starting for three months, like, but I'm not getting it anyway. I said something like that. And I was like, I'll be leaving. And the boys they were dead sound anyway. And they were like, oh, delighted for you and a whole lot. Like, and that was another place. I loved working in there. Like, the boys were just good crack. But uh, so I, I, I started doing the stuff of my own. And then I just started making videos of my own. And then Paul Christie was helping me record them. And only firm, like, I don't know what I would have been at. Like, because, and even, even that, going back to that, I suppose, Christie was brilliant as well. Because he'd tell you if it's funny. He was like that as well. And he'd tell you if it was crap too. Like, he'd be like, that's oh, not great. Like, do you know? And he was, he was, did he go out to the diving boards at you that time? Remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And me there jumping off the diving board in a suit. And was I, some I commitment, was, man. It was. I know. And that, some was, that, was, that was the video. I swear to God, me and him, we did that video. We did a couple of videos before that and they didn't really take off. Yeah. And uh, that video, I did it. I sat on his couch and we put it out online and we expected it to just fly and it didn't. 
and we sat there and I was like, ah oh, man, fuck it, I don't think there's any. The GA, maybe there's just no scope for this in the GA, right? And we were like, right, what do we do? Should we do some soccer now next week, right? All right, right, Mourinho, Zlatan and the boys, we'll just focus on a bigger market and the whole lot. And I woke up the next morning and it had like, I remember I used to judge everyone by likes. It had 1.7 thousand likes. That was a that was a lot, which was weird then. that it happened overnight because overnight yeah. it's usually terrible. Like obviously, it's a terrible time people are asleep. But I, I don't know. It was the next afternoon. I think I looked at. It, I was disappointed with it, and then I looked at it and I was like, "Wow!" And I don't know what the crack was. I'd made notifications off my page, and I couldn't believe it. I was like, "Oh my god, there is scope for this." Joe Brolly is the man. <laughs> <laughs> you found your character because that was where we threw Brolly off yeah, the, the, yeah. the the thing. <laughs> Were there any moments then? So then what happened then? You started working with. Did you, when did you get the job then with Joe? Did you went back into them to show them? Uh, I did a video for, I did a video for the UK with Klopp and the boys. And again, I suppose I was thinking, when I was doing the GA stuff, I started off doing it. Who, who, who are people not doing? Yeah. I was like, right, Gerlach Nan's not been done. In fairness, I have to give kudos to the Curlies because they were like, Gerlach Nan. <laughs> Karen Curley keeps going on to me about this line where he's like, you know, forwards will come and go, right? But they'll only ever be one DJ Curley. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Curly was telling me this, like, and I was like, and I was having a look at Gerlach Nan. I did yeah. it, and then the two Curlies were like, oh, that was brilliant, because they were right, proper hurling fellas. Mm. And I remember Dennis Croon, like, asked me, who's your man you're doing with the thing in your head, man? And I don't really get it. And Dennis Croon, I don't really know him. He was like, he, that's his favourite now, isn't oh, it? Oh, my, Dennis, literally, <laughs> yeah. he has posters on his wall of <laughs> Gerlach Nan. <laughs> oh, man, he is brilliant. He is brilliant. <laughs> You, that was a correct one of the main characters you created, especially oh, with the hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely created as well. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like it is a complete fabrication of who the man is. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I, I was doing that and then in the soccer I was like, right, how do I get Joe to notice me? And they really I could sense they didn't really weren't too interested in this just GA. They wanted like more from me. And so I did Klopp. No one had done Klopp and Klopp was after coming into the Premier League and he was all like <laughs> for sure in this moment you have to do better. All this kind of crack. And everyone was loving Klopp. And I was like, if I can get Klopp and I spent like I remember out in the garden out in my house in Tudor, and I was just oh, relentlessly listening to Klopp. Got him, done a video, and Jamie Carragher. No one actually it, it did really good numbers and I was really happy with it and Jamie Carragher retweeted it out three days after it went out and I woke up the next morning in someone else's house from a house party my phone was going mad and I realised Carragher retweeted it and he went you know this is brilliant <laughs> <laughs> even though I don't it was a tweet like <laughs> that's how he laughs um, and Joe Dottie rang me up they are like oh we have a job for you and you started after Christmas and then falling in with them was brilliant because I fell in at the right time. They were doing the Sports Joe Live stuff. They were doing these other really good, uh, like these live shows or whatever. So it put pressure on me to come up with stuff every mm -hmm. week and stuff like that. And again, like at the start, it didn't go great because I was focusing too much on just making sure the impression's down. Yeah. All of a sudden then, the thing, as soon as we start writing good stuff, the first one I think was the Gooch Retired. So the Gooch to Tank. And we did it like a, a piece on the gooch. And I was doing live bits on the shows. And I remember Woolly Parkinson was like, it's not really working that live stuff. And it wasn't. Every week it was a bit forced. And they were like, you know, you're good at doing sketches. Just do a sketch for I a show. I remember these live. These yeah, they were shite. Like, yeah. you know, and it was like, and it was me. Like, I again, the live, live is, uh, it's a whole different ball game. Do you know what I mean? And doing, which is something you're always mastering as well. But uh, and then it just. It took off then. Gerlach Nan took off. Klopp was taken off. Mourinho was taken off. Like, Mourinho's probably my best impression in England. Because I, I, that was one I would have been doing as a kid. So I've had it backed up for years. So 
yeah, from there then, to be fair, it was it was a, it was a brilliant like eighteen months in there. Mm-hmm. Um, learned it probably massive. Involved. Learned how to make videos. Yeah. You know, even the timing of videos, when things should go out, and different things like that. Different strategies and that. Yeah, even like the boys I worked with were brilliant. Like I was working with Gary Carroll. He was excellent. Like, um, you know, and then the fella over me, Paddy McKenna was good as well. He, he built you up a confidence all the time, you know, back in a time when you needed it. Now I'm probably more like, I nearly appreciate someone coming to me and going, you know, that was that was crap. Like, you know, mm. back then, like if you told me that, like I probably would have folded like a deck chair. Do you know yeah, what I mean? I know, like yeah, mentally, yeah, you'd yeah. be like, "Oh Jesus," you know. Yeah. And the great thing about working in Joe as well, the, the, what was that like? I wasn't putting the stuff out on my own platform because that's safe enough. You don't get too much negativity in your own platform, but you do get it. Like when you put it on like Joe or the Sports Bible or even like Golf Channel, those people have not actually liked your page. They didn't ask to see you today, so you pop up in their face on their phone, yeah, okay, okay. and then they start watching it. And if they don't like it, they're going to tell you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I remember when you first started off in Joel, there was there was a good half of it was obviously positive, and then there was a good half that was proper negative. Yeah, How well, did, I would say uh, was, with the Premier League, I remember the Premier League, the videos at the yeah, start when you were starting it's, off. It's never half though. It's Is genuine, it, not? No, okay, it seems that way, and to me, it seems like it's ninety percent. If you went down and scrolled through the comments, for instance, like if I went and showed you my, I think my third soccer video in England, I remember I got loads of guff on it. Do you know, but there was three and a half thousand comments and there was about 15 or 20 negative comments, which like is quite, you know, when you're scrolling down, right? And then it only goes as far as like uh, most of the comments, people don't see a lot of comments because most of the comments are me tagging Alex Collins. I didn't say anything. I just said Alex Collins or Dean Moore. I'm pretty much telling you to watch it. You know the way we tag each other and stuff. But the, the negativity you see when someone writes a big long thing, it goes to the top. So you see it. Yeah, of course, you know? yeah. But that was like, so I remember when I did like the the stuff in Joe at the start, that would have been getting to me like, and I, and I and I even back then at times, I remember like I was going to nearly leave Joe because I was like, you know, this, this isn't exactly how I thought it was like going to yeah. be and it's not that good and stuff. But the only thing about those are like, who's writing those comments? Sometimes they're correct. Sometimes your thing is shit. But for the most part, like if you're at home sitting at home, and you feel the need to write up and say, you're shit and blah, blah, blah. I get the odd time, like, especially in soccer, like you get the odd message from someone. They'll actually write to your inbox and tell you you're useless and all this. And it's like, mm. or one fella, like, you should give up doing impressions. Like, I got that, I got that about three weeks ago. I yeah. did a soccer video. You should give up doing impressions. And I was kind of, I was like, should, should I just actually sit down and just send them all <laughs> the stuff I've done over the last three years? Like I've done ads with Tiger Woods. I was like, you're damn right, man. I should take your advice and just give up now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so these are the type of people that you could be dealing with. Like, I guarantee you, you don't do it. I heard a great one one day. Do you think Michael Jordan is at home on YouTube giving out negative comments? No. No, he's too busy doing his own thing. Yeah. Or LeBron James, or su- successful we, people don't do that. Yeah, they don't think. look down on their people. There's exactly. a quote, like, yeah. people above you will never look down on you. Exactly. They'll, never, they'll never put you down. They'll so always like, try and build you up. Negative. I used to look at negative comments. Like I say, at the start when I was getting those ones in Joe, yeah, they did kind of get to me. Now they never get to me. I don't even think about them. Mm. Even when you kind of get them and you laugh, you're still like actually giving them a bit of energy. I don't even, I'll see if I'll, I'll see a comment and I'll just keep scrolling. Yeah. Hey, you'll read it. And then, but again, I don't take the other ones like, oh, you're the best ever and you're this and you're genius. I don't take them too seriously either. Like, you just take it all, you know. Yeah. In general, it's all positive. Like, and that's and that's the thing. And in, in general, people are positive. Mm. And people going about social media. Social media is not that negative. It's not as it's it's as negative as real life is. 
It's just people can put it in words and type in their computer and it lasts forever there. Instead of like me and you watching a TV show tonight and I'm like, geez, that is shite. Just say it to you on the couch. like Online, you just have to type it. Yeah, That's it's, shite. It's there. So it's just there. But like... But we, as humans, we just tend to focus on those negative comments. In, like yeah, Naturally at the start, I suppose. At, at, at the start. Yeah. And again, it's, it's kind of based off your own insecurities. The, the, the more I doubted myself at the start... And I'd see these comments like they'd feed into my head and I'd, I'd maybe he's right, maybe I'm shy. Yeah. But like if you say, like to be fair, you say that to me now, like I'm like, I, yeah. know, I know I'm not shy. Yeah, 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 I know what you mean. I'm the best, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> the very best. Hey guys, I hope you're all enjoying the show. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to all the sponsors of this episode. That is SpoonfulBotanical.com and NutsAndGrains.ie. Please remember to use PrimeLife10, promo code PrimeLife10 when shopping on NutsAndGrains.ie to avail of 10% off your next purchase in store or online. And a special thank you to Cowboys Davy for giving us the free prints for this episode. And please keep an eye out on my stories over the next couple of days where I'll be sharing these prints um, so you can see them. So please share this episode in order to be in a chance to win these prints. Also, please remember to refer to the Prime Life podcast when you're reaching out to Corey at CD Golf to avail of 30% off all his coaching programs. All right, you guys, let's get back to the podcast. I remember listening to your Joe.e your Joe. podcast only just a couple of days ago, and uh, you said, uh, you said, I, think, I don't know what he asked you, but you said, I knew when I was going into this job, I wasn't going to fail at it. Yeah, well, when I quit my job in three that time, mm. <laughs> like I went home and my mother was like, I was like, oh, set up my own page now. Look at this, Connor sketches and Connor's sketches I had at start. And she was like, oh, brilliant. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, I quit my job today, by the way. And she's kind of going, what? To be fair, like, she, she didn't even say too much. Like, mm. and my father didn't either. Because they were kind of like, you know what? Maybe if it does work out, it's brilliant. Brilliant for us all. Makes all of you proud. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just, I, yeah. I just kind of, I just kind of knew, knew. I was like, you know what? I was funny enough growing up, like, I'm able to tell stories. Like, I'm probably, like. When I was in college and stuff, like, I wasn't doing impressions that we were at, but I was telling stories. Yeah, man, you always had us around a few beers. Yeah, do you know, we were always <laughs> sitting around, stories. I'd be there talking, shy, telling stories and stuff, and that was kind of, that, that, I was that guy. Yeah, yeah. I was that yeah. one in the group, like, and I was always telling stories. So this kind of, like, which I think that's maybe where I get the writing from. Yeah, oh, You're probably. creating a story. Yeah, 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 you're creating a whole and narrative. What's, what's funny. Yeah. And I hung around with a lad like Paddy Lockery, that, the notorious Paddy Lockery. <laughs> and I have, like, stories... I could sit here for four hours talking about them, like just yeah. mad stuff that happened, Do you know, and I don't know, I, I think I spent about a year and a half in college just telling stories on Loco. We used to have Loco hour in the house of college, me, Joan, and Colin. Imagine we had a four bedroom house in college and we moved all the beds into one room <laughs> and we slept in the one big room for the crack. <laughs> just <laughs> literally. And I would yeah. just stay up all night just telling the stories and stuff. Yeah. Like I remember one time I, I had an exam and the boys changed the time on my phone. And I woke up and I thought I was late and I ran down to DCU and I was banging the door and it was six o'clock in the morning and tumbleweed was going by. It was in May. And I'll go back to the house and the boys were laughing at me. <laughs> I thought I was late for an exam. So, Con, you went from Jodhari. How did NBC come around? Uh, when Miola became the, the captain of Mullingar Golf Club, then he was like, I want you to do loads of gigs down there. I was like, no. I was like, I'll do one or two. I was like, I'm, you know, people would be sick of me. 
<clears throat> and then I was like, you know, he's the captain of that, you know, he has a note to my own father, like, you know what I mean? So I, I was like, you know, if I get enough characters, maybe I can do a couple of gigs without people getting sick, you know, I was like, maybe I'll get some golfers and do Sergio and Poulter and start practicing Sergio and give him the silly little laugh. <laughs> and then Poulter, the arrogance and all that kind of crack. And I decided then I was like, I'm going to do a video. So I spent about two months practicing like a madman to do to do this video like I was flat out every day locked myself in the room just practicing 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 <clears throat> and I did it the great thing about golf again it was like uh, you know a bit like soccer a bit like GA who were who people not doing they weren't even doing golf there wasn't even a golf comedian and I love golf do you know there wasn't much of a play, player in golf or any of that but like I loved watching it loved the masters me Darren and Dean would get like skips bottles of coke load of sweets and we'd sit in for the whole weekend watching the Masters. Do you know? I just I, I just remember those days out in Tudum, like every April. Um, and the majors, all of them. And then I was like, right, I'll just do a video. And I did it. And then it was mad. It was like, my phone went mad. Like, do you know, I thought my phone had gone mad in the past. But this was like, my phone won't work. Wow. Do you know, I was scrolling down and it would freeze. The app would freeze and I'd have to get over it and go back in. And it took me ages to get through stuff. Do you know? Every single comment was positive, you know what I mean? Um, it, yeah, it was mad. It was like, it was just, and obviously it just changed, it completely changed my life because what I was doing before that was brilliant. I was making a living and all that. Golf was just a different gravy altogether. Like it's such a, like the game itself, the money that's involved in it and then the exposure I got and the access I got to the players straight away by joining up with the Golf Channel was just it was just unbelievable and there was nobody really else doing it wasn't there not in, in terms there is no I know one doing that like yeah. I couldn't believe no one even done Tiger Woods I was like how has no one done Tiger Woods yeah yeah mm. I was like and I got over there then and as soon as I got over there I just fell in love with the place like real American it's always sunny and stuff you're just like oh I can, I can do this <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> and uh, got over had had we had contract talks um, I went to Universal Studios done a roller coaster in Disney World <laughs> I was like yeah, I got in, and that, that it was just brilliant. Like you know, the golf has been like such a brilliant, brilliant thing for me. Like, and it's the stuff that's come from it. Like, yeah. it's like just different gravy, and it's great the way I can just come back then, do me a bit of soccer, and do me a bit of GA because yeah. I still like doing the GA. I get the most buzz off that. Like, I was I just could, gonna ask which which you prefer doing. Well, like I could get like a hundred and fifty thousand views on a GA sketch or three million on a golf sketch. Oh, really that's the difference that's the difference yeah. but I get more of a buzz off the GA one yeah cause like the golf You're is so global up with GA, but the GA yeah. thing is like you know you've all the boys texting you and stuff they're like ah oh, jeez yeah, yeah. I just won't be that like yeah you grew up with it as well <laughs> started it off that's it man I grew, up, I grew up in a dressing room like you know yeah with a GA dressing room yeah so kind of want to talk about the coaching sort of side to it the, the the mindset a little bit so you know I think we often get side sidetracked and I suppose mesmerized by someone's above the surface success and I think when people watch your videos or when they come to see what's your live gigs you know they often just see the the success you've become but they don't really think about the journey you've been on or the path that you've taken and I suppose that's the the whole iceberg illusion of you know what's what's below the surface and 
And the below the surface, I suppose, maybe in your path would be, you know, disappointments, failures, like in early mornings, late nights. Like, what what have you taken from that? Or what have you learned from that kind of whole process? And, you know, is that a true statement to say? Like, is some, are, were some of your biggest failings maybe your biggest lessons to, to get to the point where you are now? Um, yeah, you just you just have to persist with it hard work honestly for me it's just like and when i say hard work i just mean a lot of work because i find it's an insult you know my only gets up at like half five in the morning goes to a building site like that's proper hard work yeah, yeah, yeah. because and keith goes like shoveling concrete all day you know what i mean i was i was working a couple of weeks ago and I nearly collapsed <laughs> i swear to god I, I did about an hour outside yeah, of the house yeah. nearly collapsed um shoveling concrete like that that that's hard work i'm blessed where i'm in a job where i could do it all day i can work all day and I, and I do, like you look at it, my very first time on stage, I don't know if you know this, but it didn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> you were there. I know very well, yeah, yeah. You were there, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna set the scene. So I'm asked to go and do a gig, <clears throat> like a free gig to stand up in the main fiddler in New York, which is like Copper Face Jacks, right? <laughs> at 12 o'clock at night, I'm asked to get up and do some impressions. Haven't done it, I've done it in front of me mates in a bar one night, but that was it, but I haven't done a live set in front of just strangers and stuff. And I get up there, actually, do you remember how pathetic it was? It was coming out with the different characters. I was putting on Michael D's hat and all that. <laughs> you, you, you go no. from there. What happened? <laughs> well, there was, there was a big bunch of us there. There was maybe about 15 of us, all from, a lot from Mullingar. And it was late, man. It was about one or two o'clock. So it was actually about one, wasn't it? Was it? About yeah. one or two, man, it was about nearly one or yeah, about half one. So I, you can imagine coppers at one, two o'clock in the morning, pretty people are on it it was nuts yeah it was pretty wild and and, and up stepped Connor Moore <laughs> to quiet the crowd and to do the gig of a lifetime and I remember you came out with Michael D Higgins man yes indeed on your knees on your knees <laughs> no one could see me anyway <laughs> but yeah you were you were doing the impressions and we were all kind of in a semi-circle all, you didn't even have a stage at this stage you, did, you had nothing you just had everybody's on the same level as you and I think there was a couple of bouncers like just holding off people. And um, by the way, they weren't to... holding them away from me around. They were just making room for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't going down well, man. I can, I can. And I remember just looking at you, and I, I remember just smiling and going, "Yeah, yeah, you did." Harry Coffin was again. as well. I remember Harry was looking at me and looked like. Then I, I seen him, and he had a face on him like he was looking at a car crash. But then when he locked eyes with me, he started laughing like. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> it was horrendous oh. and this fella kept throwing ice cubes at me and he was throwing his ice cube and ice cube yeah man and then the ice cube yeah the ice cubes were thrown and then all of us this melee started <laughs> melee started man yeah so there was there was there was glasses thrown I think there was I was with Barry remember Barry my good friend and he was in a, he was in a full green suit at this stage because oh, was the McGregor yeah, fight was on go crack that lad. and all I remember was Barry jumping across the, the stage trying to get it at these lads these Dublin lads who threw the ice cube and then all of a sudden I just saw Connor with the Michael D the uh, wig on jumping off your knees and then running out to the crowd and I was on the far side and I was like oh my god this is I don't know what what, what happened then really I got a black eye for myself remember that <laughs> <laughs> I was like, do you know what I was like I was like fuck it it was going that bad this fella was like he was throwing this ice cube at me and I was like you know what I would rather fight him than stand up here for the next 10 minutes doing this shit. So I just hopped off and went straight <laughs> after him. 
<laughs> and I remember like whatever happened I was on the floor then and it was a big melee and I stood up and everyone thought it was like part of the act and everyone was like wow everyone started actually paying attention to the thing <laughs> the place was like dead silent then everyone was watching listening and uh, I remember I was like oh shit and uh, got up and your mom was looking at me. He's like, do you want to continue on the gig? I was like, what do you think? <laughs> I, was like, I was at the bar then. I was drinking. And I was trying to be real like, philosophical about it. I was like, I'm not going home. No, I'll stay out now. And I actually like talk about staying in front of everyone. That just, you just got embarrassed in front of like. And I was standing there and I was standing at the bar. And I was like, my God, that's what live comedy is like. That was my first taste. And I remember Alan Stenson coming up to me and my friend Stenson. He was like, well, bud, it's all experience, bud. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, Now you know when they don't laugh, you can't go bit in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that, yeah. But, uh, so your very first live gig didn't go down too well. Yeah, it was horrific, man. Um, but So how do you keep going after that? Because I, mean, I know a lot of people would just be like, nah, this isn't for me, I'm done. I'm, I'm done with this. Do you know what I did? It, once you make them laugh once, I did my cousin's wedding. Uh New Year's Eve. That was the first time I actually stood up and people actually laughed. And as soon as you get, and a lot of comedians talk about that, as soon as you get that one laugh, you know, Tommy Tiernan said he'd done his first set. It was like an hour and 15 minutes or something. He said, I got two laughs. But those two laughs brought me back. A bit like playing golf. Two mm. good shots yeah, to bring yeah, you back. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's kind of what happened there with me. Although I got no laughs that night, like to be fair. like When you look, think about it. The only thing was, it would have been embarrassing to quit. Because then you're a quitter. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and like, to be honest with you, your best gigs are the ones that you, like, fail at. The best ones, like, I did one in Kerry, I remember. I was on a run of, like, 10 gigs. I was like, ah, I am shit hot at this. Like, and it was GA, and I just thought, right, so I get a gig down in Kerry. And it's GA, but it's not G. It's GA, but it's corporate GA. Everyone's wearing a suit to get a nice meal. I've been doing these things in, like, halls small enclosed spaces and my mannerisms get shown off and everything else then i go down to to carry and this is a gig i really wanted to do well at and i'm down with brolly and stuff and brolly had seen me and he knows and he was telling everyone well wait for him you know he's brilliant you know he's good he's fantastic you know move over mario you know all this kind of stuff bernard flynn was there he's like i'm oh, gonna go oh, he's great what listen guys pay attention he's gonna be unbelievable i step out anyway and bomb and you can hear like me they're delivering jokes or whatever now i'm about there's little things that were like hard about the gig i was miles away from everybody so you can't see me face that's a big part of my act gone mannerisms facial expressions yeah that yeah. stuff that's a big part of it gone if they can't see you you're like this you know i was it was in the INEC scene apparently it was so far away but again it was all like a life lesson i never i'll never forget i came down and again i was gonna go to bed and i was like no you gotta face the music i don't have a pint and i remember going down and brolly actually was waiting for me when I got down there and he jumped up and started clapping <laughs> went down on his knees and started bowing to me oh you were brilliant <laughs> <laughs> I was like you're some prick come on I'll get you a pint and he just looked at me and he goes who gives a fuck yeah, and yeah. I was like and I was at the bar and I was looking at him and I was like you know what he's dead right like who gives a fuck like yeah. no one cares like if I watch somebody bomb up there I'd forgotten about five minutes later like Mm-hmm. no one no yeah, one cares yeah, yeah. I live with it like and I remember the next day and I remember been, uh, sitting at home and I remember being like do you know what that's great like because I'll make sure that doesn't happen to me again and now I'll have different kind of and not every gig is brilliant you know what I mean and sometimes you get it wrong like you could walk into a room and you could sneer the shit out of everyone and maybe you shouldn't have 
people aren't taking it that well. You know what I type yeah, way? Yeah, yeah. Most times you go to a GA gig, whatever you take the piss out of them, they love it. Like, but like different gigs and like something Barry Murphy told me as well. Barry Murphy was an upper match. Different gigs require different sets, different know your room, know your audience. That is massive. If you don't, you go in with the same thing all the time, you'll get burnt a lot. And you you it'll work a lot. But you want to keep the burns as minimal as possible. And that like requires preparation. A lot of preparation. And that's kind of I think, as Roy Keane says, failure is where or what is it? Prepare fail to prepare, prepare to fail. And if you're not prepared, and there's been sometimes I've got burnt where I've maybe been a bit lax. And if if you don't if you're not putting in the work, not the hard work, I was I'm not shoveling concrete, but you don't put in the hours to what you're doing, it'll catch up with you. And the thing I think the reason people say to me about making hay while the sun shines, I'm like, I know I put in the hours. I know I'll continue to put in the hours. Once once I'm still in love with what I'm doing, and I can't see myself falling out of love with it, like it's it's just too handy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dan, you're doing a load of gigs across the US. Yeah. Live gigs. How do you prepare for these gigs? Does it ever come into your head, oh my God, I hope I do not flop? Or how do you how do you keep do you a cool never, head? Never, ever, ever, ever stop getting that feeling. Ever. Doesn't matter. I, I did a gig. Uh, I was over in America with the Golf Channel there. I was doing a gig. Did a gig. Tours of Ireland were over. And I got up. And I knew there were lo- people were looking at me smiling. They couldn't wait for me to get on stage. But I'm still a bad... You're still nervous. Not a bag of nerves or anything like... But you're still nervous. And you're always going to be nervous. I think if you don't have nerves... And everyone says it's a bit of a cliche. If you don't have nerves, you're not really going to get a buzz off it then. And you kind of like... And people say you have to embrace these nerves. Like, you can't embrace nerves. You just can't. They're not nice. Like, having that feeling in your stomach, whether you're playing a football match, whether you're playing anything, is not nice. And... But you just have to deal with them. You just have to Mm. realise. It's amazing how when you get up there then, you're not nervous. When you're up there, you're not nervous. When you have to start talking, you're not nervous. But... Before it, you're always going to be nervous. And a lot of it, like when you're preparing for gigs, a lot of it is a mentality where I, like goal setting, like for me, I used to write down these things. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to win the championship this year when I was playing back, playing football and stuff. And I realized such bullshit goals, like, because they're not realistic. Winning the championship is not realistic. Because I could have, I could go and train and I could have a great year. I could score 1-7 in the county final and we're a point up and the goalkeeper is like an air traffic controller with the ball coming in and he lets it in over his head and we lose the championship I failed in my goal because that bollocks let the ball in over his head (laughs) you know or the referee added eight minutes injury time and they got a late goal or he gave a penalty Mm. I can't uh, legislate for that so my goals and how I kind of like prepare for stuff now is like this year my goal is four new impressions a month Right, which takes up maybe two hours a day, maybe three hours a day, like five days a week, and then a lot of it then is writing and stuff. Um, like you've the guitar there, I'm learning the guitar, I'm getting lessons. Do me first lesson, you man. Thought was another way, but I'm because I can use it in my gig. Yeah. So like I'm doing that. I'm doing. Uh, th- these are kind of goals that I say. Right, these are my goals for the year, and only I'm responsible for these goals. So if I fail. That it, it's my problem. It's yeah, it, I, true. It's, it's my responsibility. It's not something someone else did. Like me going saying I'm going to have a great gig on the late late show. Mm-hmm. 
listen, the crowd could absolutely detest me. It could be a complete coincidence and they could all not like my stuff and yeah. just sit there and not laugh. Do you know what I mean? Or yeah, yeah. I could go out and just, I could get, whatever, it can be, it, you could just do a shite job. Anything can happen on the night, you just don't know. Mm. Again, there's stuff you can't constitute. It's like people say about the Tiger Woods ad, like, do they ever have, I could bullshit you and say, yeah, 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 I had, <coughs> I could bullshit you and say, oh, I had the goal there, yeah, of, you know, doing this with Tiger Woods and doing that and blah, blah, blah. I didn't, like, it just happened. But it happened because my other goals, I was working on all my other stuff. And in the last two or three years since I started doing this, I make goals out at the start of the year. And again, they change during the year, you have different things and different responsibilities, but they're like, right, you work on the things that you can control. I can control writing content for certain characters. I can control, like at the minute, like I'm enjoying writing for Trump. It's just too easy. Like, or, no, I know. Do you yeah. know? There's so you much know what? content. It's really tremendous to be here. Fantastic. You know, I can't wait. It's going to be a tremendous year. Mary Lou just got elected. <laughs> he is a tremendous guy. <laughs> You know, you just yeah. you just you just sitting there sometimes, and you come up with all these things. So you're writing for people, and these are the type of kind of like right in terms of preparing. I can't say I prepare for specific gigs, but throughout the year, I prepare myself in general overall to always be ready for an opportunity should it come. Like you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. but again, do you look out for new characters in terms of? It's it's yeah. Some characters will just come to you like. In golf, I'm trying to get as many characters as possible and focus on more writing this year, just writing sketches. Like, because I was always the last two years, I've just focused on impressions. But definitely, time has come now. You just got to bring that onto the next level and do more of the sketches I did in soccer and GEA in golf. Now everyone's heard the impressions. Brilliant, Connor. You're good at impressions. Well done. What are you doing now? What like? Where can you take these characters? I can't keep walking around going. The conditions are really tough out there. You know what I mean? I gotta know. Right? What are you doing with Tiger this year? What's he going? To, what's his character? to win the Masters. Do you see yourself in the next like five years? Do you see yourself? We're, we're like you're talking about goals. What's your kind of like? Do you have any? See, that's the long term goal. Or are you just kind of keeping it <coughs> short term for now? For me, all my goals are kind of short term. I kind of agree. Yeah, yeah. As in, they're, they're short term, but I'm always improving on stuff. Like learning the guitars because I want to be able to do a gig and be able to sing a song at the gig. A stupid song. I don't have to be brilliant at the guitar. I can be learn basic. Few, man, you can learn a song in like four four notes. <laughs> yeah, do you just know, I'm boom, and I'm banging something out or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So my goals are like that. Like obviously, like I'd I'd maybe like to go into presenting or something <laughs> someday. Um, because yeah, I I enjoy I enjoy this. I enjoy sitting and just chatting and stuff like that. So they're all things that I want to do down the line, but I don't like sit down and go right within five years. I have to do this because the way I find it is, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. And things are just happening. And I think by those those short-term goals for me are just more realistic than saying, well, I want to be working for this company next year. Again, the owner of that company could hate me and I might never be able to. Or it's like some people go for a job interview and they sit there and they think they did brilliant. And they did do brilliant. And they come out and they're, oh, I definitely got it. And they don't get it. And it knocks their confidence. But you don't know if the guy interviewing you just gave the job to his nephew, who's an idiot. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, you don't. Yeah, true, true. Like things like that happen. Like, mm-hmm. and again, if you leave everything in the hands of somebody else, well, then you're going to be hit with a load of disappointment. Like, but if you can turn around at the end of the year and say, "Hey, I checked off all these things. Brilliant." And if I have them checked off, opportunities will follow. They always will. The harder you work, the more opportunities come. Or whatever. Very that good point, is. man. Very good point. Yeah. Connor, who's the coolest celeb, man? 
the coolest celeb of me. Tell us about the time you met JT. Justin Timberlake. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I went, I was working for the Golf Channel and did this thing. <coughs> I did a set after for, it was a celebrity um, thing and Carlton from the Fresh Prince was there. Larry Fitzgerald was a big time footballer, uh, American footballer. Bunch of American celebrities, like, you know, big hitters in the in the world of the USA. And I stood up and I'd done this gig and I remember I was nervous going up doing that gig and I was up there and I started doing Dustin Johnson who's one of like the crowd favourite in golf like and Justin Timberlake stands up half a two through Justin Dustin Johnson and he's like ha ha man you're killing it <laughs> like he thought it was like the funniest thing he'd ever heard so I was like alright so then I started doing Matthew McConaughey and I started taking the piss out of uh, Timberlake and I was like alright yeah, sure, alright you think you're all blah 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 and my last line was alright 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 and before I got to it I was like alright boys today I say man today I say and Timberlake's like alright 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 <laughs> and I was like well that was my last fucking line thanks very much <laughs> and then the gig ended like and then he came up to me after and he's like oh my god Connor man I can't, I'm so sorry dude you know what I mean I just got dude it was just could stop laughing man I just came out with it I'm sorry I was like oh, don't worry about it so we're inside anyway and we're chatting for a bit and he's a legend he's the coolest guy ever right and my brother Darren texts me and I was chatting to Carlton from the Fresh Prince right and Darren texts me he goes how'd that gig go I was like ah oh, man you won't believe it I was like I'm here I'm having a beer with Justin Timberlake and Carlton from the Fresh Prince right <laughs> now Carlton was just after leave Darren was like did you get a picture and I was like, ah, nah, it's not that kind of vibe. This It was kind of everyone, they're all celebs in a room. No one was like that. Darren was like, you're an eager. And he goes, you know, you've got to be thinking about your social media profile and stuff. You know, you're meeting all these celebs, like, and how many times am I telling you? You need to be taking pictures and putting it on your profile because that, like, it's good for your brand that you're with these people and blah. Now, yeah. from a pure business point of view, he's making total sense. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there reading, I'm like, ah, fuck it now. So I'm there at the bar anyway, and then, He's like, right, boom. I'm like, all right, thanks a million. See you later on, man. And I'm like, he thinks I'm the coolest fella ever. I'm like, you know, I played that so cool. I was like, you know, I just didn't ask him for pictures and all. And then Darren was in my head and I was like, so I was leaving anyway about 20 minutes later. I'm walking out the door and I said to one of the lads from the golf channel, come on, I need to go to the Jacks. I walk into the Jacks, Timberlake's against the urinal. And I walked up, took a leak, came back, washing our hands. Justin's like, yeah. dude, man, I feel so bad about taking your last line. I was like, relax, man. You're Justin Timberlake. You can do whatever you want, all right? And then he's like, yeah, yeah. oh, man, I just, I, I shouldn't have done that to you, man. Great set, whatever. I was like, ah, don't worry about it. it took me phone out, and I was like, come on, we'll do a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks at me, he goes, dude, in the bathroom, you serious? I was like, huh? And he goes, that's creepy. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God, man. I looked, I looked straight into the mirror. I looked at my face, and I went bright red. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I was like, what do I do here? I'll just knock him out. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right. I tapped him on the back and I just walked out. And then when I got outside, didn't he come back out after me? He was like, here, Connor, we can do one here. And I was like, no, you're grand. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and he was like, no, 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 sis. So I went and took one anyway. Pure crap picture, man. Pure crap selfie. Mortified. Chat to him for a couple of minutes anyway. Text Darren then about 20 minutes later. I was like, listen, pal, you ever get in my fucking business again? <laughs> He's like, what do you want about? I was like, he thinks I'm a creep. Who thinks you're a creep? Timberlake thinks I'm a creep. What are you talking? What are you on about? I was like, just off. 
texting him this. And he was he, he was sitting there with his wife, Perla, and he was just like, what is this lad at? Like, so he gives me a call then. Next morning, he's like, what happened? I was like, I went for that picture last night after you getting in my ear, man. And me like an eagle going up like a fucking fanboy and blah, blah, blah. And Darren's like, yeah, what? Like, I called me a creep. He said it was creepy. Darren's like, Jesus Christ, that was harsh. Fuck, fuck that. You know. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, what happened? I was like, I don't know, we were chatting, we were in the bathroom, I asked him for a photo, he goes, you asked him for a photo in the bathroom? I was like, yeah. Was, Jesus Christ, that's creepy. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I was like, what? And he goes, and on top of that man, the photograph you got, it's pure dark, you can't even see him. I was like, listen, you just go fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Oh, I was mortified. He probably was the coolest guy I met. You no. know, in terms of even chatting to him after, like he was dead cool about the whole thing. Like, but I was, I was kind of chatting to him, kind of. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I went like from having a good chat with him, and then to be all mortified after it. Like, but he was, uh, it's, it's mad. Like, <laughs> you know, just I was ready to get one with Carlton actually. <laughs> Carlton from the Fresh Prince. Yeah, that would have been very cool, yeah. man. That would have been very cool. Take me back to childhood. Any plans heading back to the states, Con? Uh, yeah. I am heading back to, we're doing a show with the Golf Channel. Uh, I've got my own show, man. Oh, your very own show. Yeah, yeah. So we've decided to name it. I didn't want, you know, I, I wouldn't have a big ego around, so we're just going to call it the uh, Connor Moore Show. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's actually something like that. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> Up and down with Connor Moore, something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a bit of a golf show, just me having the crack, just going around the golf circuit and stuff like that. Like, it's a great opportunity. Like, Golf Channel really good to work for as well, so. We've got that. I've got an ad coming out, another one, with another very famous golfer. Oh, do you, son? Yeah, in the middle of March. I can't say. I can't say who ah, it is. Ah, you But can. I tell you, it's the best one I've done. Is it? Oh, yeah, it is. Better than Tigers. As in, it's... The Tiger one, it's hard to compare them. Like, obviously, doing something with Tiger is, like, unbelievable. Like, you know? This one... Because uh, you got your own golf balls out with Tiger, don't yeah, you? yeah. This ad though is just it's it's Brid- it's with Bridgestone as well. No, no, no. Interesting, interesting. Con. Well, this podcast definitely won't be out by the time that comes out, so I actually can't say that's gonna. Oh, it's gonna be out now. Short. It's no, 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 no. It's not gonna be out till like middle of March. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So, Connor, to date, what's the best advice you've ever been given? The best advice I've been given is probably the advice I got at the very start from Mr. Joe Brilli when I met him first. People going about, like, do you get starstruck when you meet people and stuff? And it's like, no. Yeah, I remember getting starstruck when I seen Brolly, which is a really weird thing to say now, like, because I know him so well. But I remember walking into RT and seeing him, and we did this interview together. And I was only after starting working in Joe, literally only after starting. And Brolly was like, the fact that he even gave me an interview was weird. He was like, here, listen, you know, we'll do it, do it there. I'm, I'm in Dublin Sunday. I'll meet you Sunday. I was like, brilliant. So I walk in anyway, and I do it, and he starts slagging me off, saying, that sounds like North Donegal accent. But at the end of it anyway, we're sitting there, and he says to me, he says, uh, we start chatting anyway. And he says, uh, you know, the thing to do now is, you know, if you want to, you know, do this well, you know, you have to be prepared, pal. You know, to do stuff you haven't done before, and you know, I tell you, kind of meant like hard work and blah. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, no work. No, 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 no. You got to get yourself into trouble, pal. You know, every now and again, you know, and don't be trying to make friends with people in this business. You know, because that's that's how you'll end up, you know, second guessing yourself and being afraid. And you got to go for it. You know, go, be adventurous. You know, take chances. Absolutely. 
and all this kind of stuff. And it was, he's so right, like, because if you start thinking, like, oh, well, I know him now, and I, ah, will he be pissed off doing that and stuff? And I think anytime you're cheeky with the lads, like, that you're doing or whatever, don't really care, you know what I mean? And they, most people get a great old buzz off it, like. But that's probably the best advice I was given. It's amazing how it's all, it all comes from GEA. Tell you a good one, actually. I was in New York. After the Mean Fiddler gig, a few days after that, you all left. And I went to do another gig. Again, a little freebie for the Dublin team. For Dublin, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and I went down and I was like, will I go, will I not go? I was after having that horrific gig in the Fiddler. And this was my second time on stage in front of like, there was about eight Dublin players, like Dean Rock and James McCarthy, Kenny, Bastic, a few of these boys, Conley. Um, and Jim Gavin was there and I got up and I'd done it anyway. Didn't go very well. Again. Wasn't getting many laughs. No one was throwing ice around at me and there was no one looking to, there was no rows around. No assaults. <laughs> uh, so at the end of the gig, I remember I did Bernard Brogan and did Jim Gavin and I was like, Jesus, they got a bit of a laugh for that and I went into the dressing room then and when I was in the dressing room, I was there looking into the mirror and I remember thinking, this isn't for me, like, I'm too cool for this shit to be people looking at me. <laughs> like, looking at me like I'm an eagle. I'm no eagle. like. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up looking in the mirror and I was like, you know, fuck. And then all of a sudden, this knock on the door is bump, bump, bump. And I, was, I opened the door and Jim is like, you know, the way he looks at you with his head tilted, like, he was like, Connor, I uh, just wanted to say, um, that was a fantastic gig you did there. It was very humorous, um, very, very well done. And I was like, is this lad pissed? Is he? <laughs> <laughs> right? And then he goes, um, the Dublin players want to know, would you, would you mind coming out and getting a photograph with them? I was like, geez, these boys are easily entertained, what? And I remember shutting the door and I went back to my bag. I was like, I'll be on two seconds, Jim. Yeah, cheers. I remember thinking, maybe I'm a bit too hard myself. Like, maybe it was good. It just weren't belly laughing. But maybe they really enjoyed it. And I'm thinking, oh, I have to get, like, these huge laughs and everything. And I went out anyway and all the players were gone, scattered everywhere. And I was like, oh, Jim, don't go after them. Like, And Jim was like, oh, yeah, sure, me and you'll get a photograph. I was like, oh, yeah. So Jim Gavin asked me for a photograph, right? So I get a photograph with him, right? And I have a couple of beers with him. I have a great night. Chatting to all the Dublin boys. Absolute legends. Like gents. Great night. Go back to the apartment. Darren's back to the apartment. The brother. And I'm like, oh man, I actually went well enough. Now if I left before Jim talked to me, I would have been like, that was horrific boy. Again. Well, I think we might pack it in. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. This Dublin, is the second night, wasn't it? Yeah, this the is the second night. time on stage. So Dublin. <laughs> so Dublin played Tyrone. In... The All-Ireland final, they beat him to win the four in a row. And I'm in the Palace Bar with Broly the following day. And the Dublin boys walk in. And Jim walks in. And straight over, he comes over. He says, Connor, I just want to congratulate you on all your success in the golf game. Uh, it's brilliant. You know, well done. Very, very proud of you. And I was like, oh, cheers, Jim. So I stand up. I'm doing a bit in the, the back of the Palace. Good old laugh. Great crack. And I sit down. I'm having a pint. And Jim was like, you know, you've, you've come a long way. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And a couple of pints in. And I said to him, I was like, hey, come here, come here, Jim. I was like, remember that gig two years ago in New York? He goes, yeah, of course I do, yeah. Remember you come into me dressing room? Like, I do. I was like, you come into me and you said that the Dublin boys wanted to get a photograph of me after that. And I shy. He was like, what? I was like, you can tell me now. Like, the boys hardly wanted to get a photograph of me. And he just looks at me and he goes, um, no, no, they didn't. But I just felt you needed to hear that at the time. <laughs> Brilliant, man. Isn't it amazing? Brilliant. Just how shows that, maybe his coaching. Exactly. Uh, how like, he thinks and how sometimes yeah. people need a bit of a pat on the back. And again, like I, like I said, back then, 
Mm. I needed a pat on the back at those stages. Like, you know, confidence is built over time. Mm. You need people telling you you're good and all this kind of stuff. While now, to be fair, if loads of people came to me telling me I'm shy, I'd fairly fucking, I'd be fairly down with myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but like, you, you kind of, you like having people around you. Like, if I send something to my two brothers or Paul Christie and I'm like, what do you think of that? Like, I know they're going to be honest with me and I appreciate when they're like, that's a six, you know, or that's a five out of ten, or that's how we kind of rate it. Like, I'll send them a video. So, and Jim back then, like, you know, a couple of months later, I questioned whether I would do my cousin's uh, wedding. Like, he got married New Year's Eve, and I, the day before, two days before, I had in my head, nah, 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 I'll say I'm sick, I won't do it, I'm not feeling well, and I'll come up with something. And it was maybe that little thing, I was like, you know, the last gig didn't go too bad, you know, and stuff like that, and I got up and done it. And I had an amazing gig that day. Weddings are the easiest gigs in the world. Like, everyone's in good form. They're rooting for you. They want you to do well. And they're pissed. <clears throat> they're, it's the perfect gig. And I did that. And then when I did that gig, I was I walked down. And I walked around that night like I was 12 feet tall. Boost That probably boosts your confidence big massive, time. Massive. Massive. And then it's only then with, like experience, I do realize how easy a wedding gig is. Like, like if, if I... I've never ha- I've never went to a wedding and not come away and been like, oh, and you know, I yeah, out yeah. park there. Like, there, it's just easy. Well, it's a very positive anyway. It's very yeah, positive. Yeah, people experience. are. Are you ever in a bad mood at a wedding? Like, no, no, you know no, what I mean. No, and you're no, waiting yeah. for these speeches and stuff. And sometimes, like, speeches can go on and it can be bad and everything else. And it's nearly better for me because I come in, I just lighten the mood completely. Like, it's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm wishing any bad speeches, right? But uh, yeah, it's I don't know. Jim Gavin telling me that was a big, big, uh, definitely had an effect on me massively because I kind of thought I would have looked up to that them Dublin boys and the fact that I thought maybe they wanted a photograph. I just realized after a while then when I realized what a good gig was, I was like, there's no way them boys asked for a photograph. <laughs> the boys were on the jar having a laugh. They weren't asking, Jim, well, you wouldn't ask him to get a photograph of us. <laughs> when you think of it. <laughs> oh, man. It's hardly as bad as the first gig, though, man. Was it? There was no ice cubes thrown on you. That's the good thing. The first gig, though, I kind of I, I, wa- I walked out with me head held high, where I was like, it "Was in a bit of a scrap." Like you had a good story from yeah, the yeah, second gig. Fun. You felt a bit more embarrassed. It was like just crawl off into the distance, like and hang your head in shame. <laughs> oh man, brilliant, brilliant. Good times, man. Good times. Good times. <laughs> bit of gas. <laughs> bit of gas. <laughs> All right, Connor. So, what advice would you give to people who may want to start a career that's, I suppose, off the beaten track? Like yourself starting off, kind of like social media kind of thing. Like, when? well, I mean, you kind of started off. <laughs> there was pe- there was impressionists out there. There were comedians out there, but you kind of combined the two and made your own kind of yeah, path in it. That'd be a bi- that'd be a big thing I'd say to people is whatever you're doing, someone's probably done it before you, and take a bit off everybody. You know what I mean? When I was starting out, I suppose, like, there's really good impressionists in Ireland, then there's really good writers in Ireland, and you're kind of, not you're kind of like, if you're a fan of all of them, in a sense, you'll take little bits from them, <clears throat> and throw it into your own set, and if you're going to, like, do something off the beaten track, like, be prepared to put the hours in, like, I'm, I'm kind of from the, I like that Gary V fella, the way he's like, he's always cursing, like, oh, well, just fucking do it. Just get out. You know, you, 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 know, if you only have to sleep six hours a day. You've 18 hours a day. You just go do it. And he's just kind of like, and he's right. Like, there's, there's 
literally with time management you can do anything in the day yeah you might be able to quit your job like you might be able to whatever but you have time you have you can do it during the day at some point do it commit to it don't let negative comments fester in your head realize that as soon as someone press enter on that keyboard or whatever they do on their phone for the comment they've literally forgotten they've written it and it, it's it's taken up 10 seconds of their lives but it's going to take up how much of yours if you're always reading it and you're getting like hung up on the, these kind of things. Like, like I say, my my whole thing is like the Nike sign is the greatest slogan of all time. Just yeah, do yeah. it. Like life, life is way too short. Like who? And I know it's a real, it's a cliche, you know. But I love, I love looking at stuff sometimes, and it's like <clears throat> your chances of being born is like one to the one billion exponential 10 by 4 billion or something it's uh like winning the lotto is something that you do every five minutes in terms of luck compared to actually getting a chance to live your life like your parents had to be at a certain time make love at us i know we don't think about it right <laughs> on a certain day a certain yeah. minute your swimmer had to be the fastest like it's and then that had to happen all the way up lineage lineage, lineage you know it's it's amazing life's amazing it's unbelievable and like ever since I went and took that plunge, as soon as you do it once and you, you take that risk, you get over the fear of what people might think. I, I just think life is way better because you know you're a risk taker. People want to think they're risk takers, but they mightn't do it. You just take that risk. As soon as you take the plunge, you jump in, into the deep end, sink or swim. And more often than not, you're going to swim. If you, if you work hard enough when you're in there, you know, you'll survive. And that's it. And your life is just, in my opinion, it's just so much better. But it's all about, you really have to have the balls to just go and do it. And then put the work in. Not the hard work, not shoveling concrete. As we talked about earlier. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the easy work. It's having that vision and having the hard work. The yeah, and it thing. is. And it's just, it's always having that vision in your head. And not, like I said, I never thought I was going to fail at it. I just didn't. I always kind of knew I'd work, like... I'd work at it. Some people do it and don't work at it. They think I want to make money. They, they, if you go in like and you think about money, or you go in, you think about like fame, or girls, or whatever. You're just you know you're not going to do it. You have to go in there and just think right. I want this. This I want this to be my life. Yeah, yeah. And that's mm -hmm. it. And it's it's the same with like football. You know what I mean? Or aren't like that. When you go all in and you work on yourself, you don't know what like. Yeah, it's that intrinsic motivation. Doing yeah. it for yourself, man. Oh, yeah. And motivation is something that you have to keep firing up as well. Like, mm -hmm. I love watching documentaries and stuff. You know, I watched a documentary <coughs> recently. Andy and I, Jim Carrey. Class. I'll probably watch it before I have a big gig again. What's it called? I'll have to watch that. It was kind of like, it's. it was a good watch for me because it's Jim Carrey. <coughs> and he gets the role of Andy Kaufman in uh, in the film... I don't know what it was called, the film, but the documentary was Jim and I anyway. But he literally thinks Andy, now Jim will tell you that Andy took control of his brain. Oh, sorry, I did watch this, man. Yeah. yeah. And he gets so into character yeah, that he never... Yeah, it's mad. And it's I kind of laugh because I think yeah. I get into these characters and wouldn't it be crazy if I was just like locked down <laughs> on there? You know what I mean? Like Jim Carrey. You know, yeah. on, what the fuck are you looking at? Huh? <laughs> just... Do you know and it's like but that these little things like keep you taking over and keep like motivations mm. like someone I remember reading one day it's like a fire like you just 
it'll go out at some point. You have to keep yeah, putting keep something it, in. Keep it going. Yeah. yeah. And whether that's like looking up to people or <clears throat> watching documentaries, reading books, like I always just like working on myself. At the minute, like I'm working on horse racing. I did a video last year. I'm doing another one this year for Paddy Power for Cheltenham. <clears throat> but last year I was pretty busy and I didn't really look into the whole horse racing thing. And now I'm like learning about horse racing because I have to know about it. Because I, I couldn't do a horse racing gig. I can do a video. Someone will help me write the content. But the gig, you got to know what you're talking about. You got to yeah. know what these characters are talking about. You know, I, last couple of days I've been learning about the guineas and furlongs and their lengths and all this kind of stuff and the horse and what way it should yeah, be. Yeah. All this stuff. But now I'm really into it. Like, I feel like, you know, I want to ring one of the boys and be like, any tips for Cheltenham there? Well, <laughs> your man's going well. <laughs> you know I mean? He goes well on the dry ground, doesn't he? Not so much in the soft. <laughs> but you just get into it like it. And to yeah. be fair, like that, that old, that, that's the old saying, isn't it? Um, do what you love and you never work a day in your life. Like I haven't worked in... How many years are you at this Three, three years. years. Yeah, three and a half. I have not done a day's work. I would say that day I did the, the concrete, but I won't be doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> Keep to be raging. You want your back plastering walls. I want to see it. I was getting dizzy. I was looking at him and I was like, my admiration was going through the roof like and all. I was like, how do you do it, man? <laughs> I can't. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on, my friend. Do you have any gigs coming up? Gigs? Well, I've this. Uh, the show with the golf channel is going to be on a thing called Golf Pass that you got to subscribe to if you fancy it. Um, and that's kicking off Paddy's Day. So that should be good. Uh, and then in terms of gigs, I'll be in America for the next couple of months doing me, me golf. But I'll be back. All right, man. Any final words for this podcast? Just keep living. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> You're listening to the Prime Live Podcast. <laughs> With Matthew McConaughey. Have a good night. Brilliant. Cheers, Cobb. Good luck, cheers. Good luck, son. Good luck, good luck, good luck. Hey, guys. Hope everybody enjoyed the episode. And thank you very much for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe as it really helps with my visibility. Okay, until next time, be safe.